One of the worst case scenarios unfolded for the Louisville Cardinals in their 42-28 Holiday Bowl loss to the USC Trojans. We're going to break down what exactly went wrong for the Cardinals in that matchup and what the aftermath of this loss is. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Happy Friday, last Friday of 2023. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, including YouTube, five days a week, your team, every day. On today's episode of the show, we are discussing what went down on Wednesday evening, the Louisville Cardinals losing to USC 42 to 28 in the Holiday Bowl. We'll talk about how this is one of the worst-case scenarios for the team in the bowl game as it relates to momentum and national perception. We'll also um, sort of break down and analyze what went wrong, both offensively and defensively, for Jeff Brom's team. But we'll start out with the aftermath. Um, what is the result of this game? Now, I'm looking at this two ways. Momentum and national perception. So for me, the first thing is momentum. One thing you wanted to do was what you didn't do in 2016, and that was snap a losing streak at the end of the season. Unfortunately, history has repeated itself, and like they did in 2016, the Louisville Cardinals lost their final three games of the year after starting out the game or starting out the season. 10 and 1 through their first 11 games. Now, this isn't um, a situation where I feel like this season's a failure. Let me go ahead and make that point perfectly clear. But I do think that you lost an opportunity to create a good amount of momentum, uh, both for your program and I, I won't really go as far as saying truly to the portal because uh, Louisville's obviously recruiting the portal really well, but for your program, and I know that people want to say, well, if it's not the college football playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl, then the bowls really don't matter. Well, then what are you truly playing for at the end of the season? Why do we care about bowl eligibility? Why do we care about, um, you know, postseason play? I mean, I am, I understand that the real prize is getting to the playoff, but I'm not going to say that bowl games don't matter. They don't matter as much as the playoff, but it's still an opportunity to end the season on a positive note, end the season on a win like you did in 2022. Unfortunately, that was not the case as the Cardinals lost 42-28 to to Lincoln Riley's USC Trojans. You lose the momentum heading into the offseason from an on-field standpoint. Obviously, Braum is... Seemingly going to ball out in the portal yet again for a second consecutive offseason, and that is fantastic. It is definitely needed, um, but it also does make you wonder, okay, the team that you saw at the very end of this season definitely was not the team that you saw play Duke and Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, and it has sparked a couple questions, and these are going to be some questions that we identify on um, a future show coming up probably right before the end of 2023, so here in a couple of days, um, talking about what's going to happen to the defensive scheme. 
how much more can you upgrade personnel? What's going to happen with the offensive play calling? There's a good amount of questions that I feel like have risen up ever since the Virginia game. And even with the two wins, Virginia, Miami, those questions really truly weren't answered. And now you have three straight losses and you end the season with a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. And now you're really like, okay, there's some questions and we've got to look in the mirror. We have to reassess and we have to answer these honestly so we can get to a point where we make some corrections for 2024. And like I said, we're not going to get into those questions in depth on this show because we're going to dedicate an entire show to asking what the top questions of the offseason are going to be. So, like I said, momentum, it's a hell of a thing for a team in the offseason, and I'm not saying that they can't muster up their own momentum. I just think that they lost a great opportunity to do so against a history program. I know that USC 7-5 and coming into this game wasn't necessarily lighting the world on fire, but they still are a history program with a solid offensive coach and talent on the team. And unfortunately, they missed an opportunity to um, snap the losing streak and create some positive momentum heading into the offseason. The second way I feel like this is one of the worst-case scenarios isn't from really a internal aspect, but more external in relation to national perception. Let's face it, the ACC has been viewed in a light that is as low as I have really ever seen it since Louisville joined the conference back in 2014. Florida State not making the playoff was a huge punch to the gut, but it wasn't like that that was the only conversation or the only time that this conversation has been had. All season long, I feel like when people talked about Louisville, you were either on one side of the fence. You either said, yeah, man, this team's for real. They just beat Notre Dame. Watch out. Jeff Brahms had got them rolling. And then there's the other side that says, let's pump the brakes. They really haven't played anybody. Look, they beat Notre Dame just to lose to Pittsburgh. Louisville's back to where they were. They were a flash in the pan, but they're back to where they're back to where they need to be. Now, the Cardinals did go on to win their next four games to get to 10 and one. And you're continually trying to prove people wrong and get yourself to where you're at least in the respectable spot for the college football playoff consideration, even though I didn't really think that there was a huge opportunity to get there. But that's a conversation that is obviously water under the bridge at this point. But you're sitting now, or let's rewind it a couple weeks to 10 and one after you beat Miami. You have an opportunity, national perception. You play a rival that is having a down year. You should beat them. You don't. Okay, it's a rivalry game, right? It is what it is. You then go to the ACC Championship where there are a lot of people watching this game, whether it's as um, unbiased spectators because it's just a conference championship game and it's college football and it's on the brightest stage, or you have a dog in the fight and you need either Florida state to win or lose. Like if you're an Alabama fan or a Texas fan, or um, I don't know, an Ohio state fan, Georgia fan, etc. You're watching this game because there's huge playoff implications on it. Not only did you lose, but you did so in a fashion that everybody looks at and said, really, this is the little team that you all are saying is 
doing pretty solid stuff, not a good look. And then you go to a bowl game to where you play USC and your defense, once again, struggled mightily. Offense made some mistakes, and you lost by double digits to a USC team that limped to a 7-5 and five finish. This is a team that um, lost five of their final six games of the season. They didn't have Caleb Williams. They didn't have their top running back. They didn't have two of their top five receivers. They were missing a starting linebacker, missing a starting cornerback. Over 20 players had opted out or transferred from the team, and they still dominated this game offensively and held their own defensively. So, like I mentioned, and this is a great time to bring this point back up, I do not think that this was a failure of a season. I think it was a great season with a lackluster finish. Two things can be true at one time. It does put a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, just like it did in 2016, right? But that doesn't take away what you did before that. It doesn't take away the notion that you did overachieve heading into this season. Most people have, look, Louisville was projected to finish eighth in the conference. And regardless of what you feel about the ACC or not, for a team that was projected to finish eighth and to finish second, that that's still good no matter what. Unfortunately, now the national perception that you're going to have to beat is that you are not fraudulent. Louisville fans know that this team was better than what was put on the field the past three games, past four games. But for the sake of national media, we know that. But now it's time to prove to the rest of the country, hey, this wasn't a fluke. Best way to do that, now going to year two of Jeff Brom and essentially doing the same thing, getting to double-digit wins in the regular season. It's going to be tougher, and we'll talk about that. But like I said... Worst case scenario is you start to get a little bit little bit of that national favor back if you were to beat USC. Losing to them by double digits, a USC team that was, was missing a lot. Optically speaking, it wasn't great. Now, granted, at the end of the day, optics don't mean a damn thing. It's not going to affect how Jeff Brom runs this program. He is, if you can say a lot of things about Jeff Brom, the one thing that cannot be debated is that he gets it. He understands. He understands his fan base. He understands this program, uh, what this program can be. So despite it being a worst-case scenario, it is not the end of the world, and it has not a ton of um, effect on what the team can do in 2024. And we soon are going to turn the page officially on the 2023 season, focusing on the offseason and next year. Um, but for the remainder of the show, we're going to break down this performance from the Cardinals. Offensively speaking, you put up 28 points. It wasn't terrible. But turnovers and self-inflicted mistakes proved to be extremely costly, and they absolutely soured a great performance from Isaac Garendo. And we're going to talk about uh, the offensive um, issues here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, 
Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time where you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Cardinal fans, thanks again for making Locked On Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. To sort of begin discussing what went wrong for the Cardinals, let me go ahead and point out that this is not the fault of one player or a set of players or even one side of the ball. This was a total team loss. USC won this game in all three aspects of the game, offensive, defensive, and special teams. Look, the Cardinals started out pretty solid. Um, they forced a three and out on the first drive, and they followed that up with an opening 10-play, 71-yard touchdown drive. I thought at that point with Louisville running all over a team that came into this matchup giving up almost 35 points a game, I was like, okay, I feel really good about this game. And then USC goes down and they miss a field goal. That's where things started to go wrong for the Cardinals. The very next play after USC missed that field goal, was a strip sack. Uh, Max Williams got to Plummer and forced the sack in Louisville territory, and USC followed it up with a very quick touchdown. Louisville did what they needed to do to move down the field, but they kind of got caught in no man's land. Um, fourth down at the USC 36. Field goal kicking hasn't really been all that reliable this year. They punted it away, and then USC went on a tear to where they churned out a ton of big yardage plays um, seemingly simultaneously, five-play, 80-yard drive to take the lead. USC then went on and um, on a blocked punt at the level 31. USC took advantage of great field position again and scored. Cardinals went down and scored. And then USC, big five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. And after that, it, it was really tough to stop. When the Louisville offense... Answered, the defense really wasn't able to get the stop in the second half. Louisville had a couple drives where they had two straight touchdowns. They had a three and out on the first drive of the second half. Two straight touchdowns after that. And that's when things kind of got a little tough. A fourth and sixth where all Jack Plummer had to do was essentially loft the ball up to Jaden Thompson. The ball was overthrown a little bit and it forced Thompson to stumble and fall short of the yard to gain on first down, and if he was to have caught it in stride, he essentially could have somersaulted into the end zone from about, what, 16, 10, 16 yards away. So needless to say, I mean, 28 points is not bad, but mishaps on offense with the uh, strip sack, with the um, issues of overthrowing or underthrowing players, I feel like the offensive line at times didn't give Jack Plummer enough time to throw the football. You had the special teams mishap as well to where you gave USC's offense the ball in prime position, and they capitalized on that. 
And I feel like Louisville not being able to capitalize was sort of an underlying issue all year. It's almost like you played with your food. Um, if you understand that analogy saying that you kept USC around when you could have put them in a position to where, you know, at the point you are, what was it going back to the, um, let's see, I want to look at that drive where USC tied it up and at seven, seven, you really could have gone down and taken the lead again. And at that point, I mean, I feel like you just kind of hurt yourself in that regard. The time where you had the ball on the 50 yard line or Kevin Coleman returned the ball to the 40 yard line with about 20 seconds to go. Jack Plummer took the sack. It is what it is. I feel like we are kind of getting a little bit over analytical on offense. Let me just reiterate that this, I feel like defensively giving up 42 was huge, but offense didn't necessarily do themselves any favors. Jack Plummer, statistically speaking, wasn't terrible. I mean, 21 of 25, 141 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Isaac Garendo, 23 carries, 161 yards and three touchdowns. He was phenomenal all game long. Um, One thing that I do want to know is – with him doing well in the first half, why he didn't necessarily get a lot of run in the next couple of drives in which Louisville wasn't really able to do much. Um, I, I don't really understand that. I feel like play calling at times was pretty questionable um, here and there. I, I think it was just um, a perfect storm of a couple of things. Number one, play calling had some issues. Offensive line had some issues and Jack Plummer didn't make the throws. I understand statistically when you read it, 21 of 25, not much more you could do there, right? I feel like there were some times where Plummer um, hesitated and resorted to checkdowns rather than throwing the ball down the field. Now there is a question as to whether or not the receivers can create that separation down the field, especially with no Jamari Thrash. You have no Jawar Jordan, so you have to accept that you're down two key pieces of the offense, but make no mistake about it, you have talent right there surrounding those guys. So, I don't think that – I mean, there's been a lot of criticism for Jack Plummer from this game and a lot of criticism all season long, truthfully. Here's my take on the situation. Plummer, when he was on, he was fantastic. But when he was off, it was rough. And there were some times to where I feel like he took sacks that he didn't need to take throughout the season. He was too indecisive at times, didn't air the ball down the field. And maybe the play calling was an indication of, you know, the skill set at quarterback or whatever may have you. I appreciate everything that Jack Plummer did. He came in and he essentially exceeded expectations. You can say what you want about, oh, Plummer wasn't all that good, but he still exceeded expectations and helped this team to um, a 10-win season. And at the end of the day, I'm extremely thankful for that because all in all, I mean, you look at what he did at California, had 3,095 passing yards, 21 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Well, this season improved his completion percentage Um, Had more passing yards. Granted, I will say that he played more games. He had the same amount of touchdown passes and three more interceptions. So the turnovers definitely proved to be a key point of emphasis. I think that your ceiling was a little limited with Plummer as the quarterback. 
Um, you knew what you were getting with Plummer. He was a game manager and nothing wrong about that, but that is essentially what he was. Didn't necessarily raise the ceiling of your team, but it showed that when the rushing wasn't there or when you needed to throw the ball down the field, um, I feel like the Louisville passing attack struggled for a couple different reasons. But um, I'm not going to diss Plummer. It is what it is. He didn't have a perfect game. Um, I think he would probably tell you that. It was just an all-around offensive misfire. Defensively, there's a lot to blame on the defense as well. And we're going to talk about that here momentarily after we talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can um, now pick combo projections across football and basketball. So one instance that you could do would be LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. Want to play alongside some of Price Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the largest names in the Price Picks community each week. Do yourself a favor. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use the code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, prizepicks.com slash college using the code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Final segment of the show. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Locked On Global Podcast, recapping the 42-28 to loss against the USC Trojans. Talking about what went wrong, we just talked about the offense, which was seemingly... Um, all systems misfire across the board. I would say that that would be the same case for the defense. Number one, I understand USC coming into this game averaged about 41, 42 points a game, but that was with Caleb Williams, a former Heisman Trophy winner. That was with uh, their starting running back, two of their top four receivers. Very, very solid offense. Now, granted, you have Lincoln Riley, who's one of the best play callers in college football. Miller Moss is no uh, scrub. I mean, he's a guy that was highly rated coming out of high school, but he was still unproven. He had played in four games this season, all blowouts um, in garbage time, and played pretty decently well. But you had a new quarterback who came in and threw for six touchdowns. I don't care how good he is. He obviously is probably pretty much better than what you might have thought he was. But to come in and tie the conference record for touchdown passes in a bowl game, that's unacceptable from this defense. And this defense, it'd be different if they just got beat to USC like that. But Florida State, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they were on a third-string quarterback. Uh, Defense did well there. Kentucky, defense didn't play well. Miami, defense didn't play well. They were situationally great against Virginia, but overall they gave up a ton of chunk yardage. Big yardage plays for Virginia all game long in that one. This has been a recurring issue. And the issue, I mentioned it back then, and it is an issue now. If the pass rush does not get home, the secondary is vulnerable. And there were times where, once again, USC. Now, USC is a very fast team. The guys uh, at the skill positions for the Trojans, it's a very fast team. Make no mistake about it. There's a ton of talent 
Um, if you want to accept that the defense wasn't good enough, we can also give credit where credit is due for Lincoln Riley's team. Very, very good offense. No one's doubting that. They're always going to have a good offense, regardless of who the quarterback is, because of Lincoln Riley. But to give up six touchdowns, and some of these passes, some of these touchdown passes, were not good throws. One seemed like it was up in the air for about 30 minutes, and if Storm Duck looks up, it's probably an interception, but it ended up being a touchdown. Multiple times, guys got burned uh, in the end zone, and I feel like the safeties um, were a step too slow in this game, possibly because of the speed you're going up against, but ultimately too many chunk yardage plays. USC 443 total yards of offense. They were 6 of 10 on third down, 1 of 1 on fourth down. Um, and they didn't really run the ball that well. It was the passing uh, defense. Now, the rushing off- rushing defense for the Cardinals has been pretty decent throughout the year. 71 carries, only about three, 3.7 yards per rush. But they gave up 11.3 yards per passing completion. Moss was 23 of 33 for 372 yards and six touchdowns. Um, they gave up too many big plays. Now, some of this... They're putting into a rough situation with a special teams blocked punt, a fumble, both giving USC the ball inside of the Louisville 30-yard line. It's tough to play defense there, right? But in the second half, when you needed to get a stop, you did so. You did have the interception at the beginning of the second half. But outside of that, you gave up way too many third and long situations that could have gotten you off the field, receivers essentially running up to the sticks, turning around and catching the ball and getting to a first down. Now, Miller Moss made some pretty big-time plays. Secondary was rough in this game. The pass rush wasn't that great either. I felt like um, the Cardinals really weren't able to ever get home. Now, I felt like there were times where Ashton Gelati got held, and maybe the penalties were something that we might need to address, although the Cardinals were – um, penalized four times for 44 yards, USC three for 32. So I don't think it was as lopsided as one might be led to believe while watching the game. But there were some times where Gelati was definitely held, and I'm like, okay, if he is not held there, he's to the quarterback, and it's a sack, and you're losing yardage in that situation. But it is what it is. Throughout the game consistently, the Cardinals were not able to do much in terms of getting after Moss and putting much pressure on the USC offense. They had zero sacks in the game, three tackles for loss. USC had three sacks alone. Um, So it is what it is. I do now question, okay, early on in the season, the defense won the Cardinals a couple games. They won them the USC-NC State game. They shut out Duke. They held Virginia Tech to three. They neutralized Sam Hartman and the Notre Dame offense. Boston College really wasn't able to do much on them. I don't know if it was a matter of teams catching on to what Louisville's weaknesses were or the defensive coaching staff not making any adjustments, but whatever was happening in the final four or five games of the season, Something's got to change in the offseason because the I, if it was a scheme issue, personnel, a little bit of both, regardless, I, I feel like something has to change there. 
um, because they were getting gashed. The secondary was getting gashed. The pass rush wasn't getting home. I think that there's talent on the defense for certain, but it's just a matter of, you know, getting to a spot to where you're not giving up big yardage plays in the way that you did. I understand that there's injuries. You didn't have MJ Griffin. Jarvis Brownlee was hurt. Guys are battling through injuries, but unfortunately that's sort of the way this season goes. I have faith in this team moving forward. And I know I was critical uh, of the game, of the performance. I don't think that the team was good enough on either side of the football. Braum essentially said that, is that this wasn't one of the better defensive games. I felt like the offense was a little bit better than the defense. It was just some situational instances to where they didn't really do all that well. Now, granted, I'm not blaming Jack Plummer as much as other fans are. Um, It was essentially misfires all across the board. So it is what it is. Regardless, man, it was such a fun season. It was fun to be a Louisville fan again. Uh, For all the players that played their final game in those Cardinal uniforms, thank you. Definitely appreciate all of the contributions that you've made to this program over your all's respective time here. Uh, Wish you the best of luck. You'll always have a home here in Louisville, no matter where you end up, um, across the country, across the globe, um, playing professionally, you know, career-wise, whatever it may be. Um, thank you. That's really all I have to say. Thank you to everyone for tuning in this season of the Locked on Global podcast covering the Cardinals football team. Um, tomorrow's episode of the show, we're going to talk a little bit more portal recruiting. Two new names have surfaced. Very, very good players in the portal that we'll talk about. Um, And then we'll also discuss what some of the key questions are this offseason. And we'll do that uh, coming up throughout the weekly or the end of the week, I should say. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here very soon.